0: I'm a firm believer that if you research anything for long enough and you practice it for long enough, you'll become good at it. This is the Brilliance Leadership Learning Podcast, sharing thought-provoking content and discussions to enhance your leadership development journey. Be sure to subscribe to get notified of new episodes. Here is your host, Chantal Nash, Digital Learning and Engagement Manager from the team at Crotonville, GE's Global Learning Institute.
1: Hi everyone and welcome to the Brilliance Leadership Learning Podcast. Today, I have Mila Clark Buckley with me, who is better known as the Hangry Woman based in Houston because, as you guys know, I love Houston people. Um, Mila explores the food culture, posting jewel worthy photos and delicious recipes, which I can absolutely attest to. Mila specializes in social media management, website and digital platform audits, and strategy sessions to help bloggers, brands, and businesses build their platforms from the ground up. So in addition to being the Hangry Woman, she provides those, those kinds of services. Her work and strategies have been featured in the Chronicle of Philanthropy, USA Today, and Social Media Today. And she's worked on social media and campaigns with HEB, which is a, uh, a Texas-based grocery train- chain, which is awesome, and OXO and Kind. She's also been featured as a speaker at Houston Social Media Day. In addition, she has been named the top 100 diabetic bloggers in the world, uh, which we'll definitely talk about more, and Voyage Houston included her on the Houston Influencers You Should Follow list. Please join me in welcoming Mila to the podcast. Mila, so happy to be talking with you.
0: Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be talking with you too.
1: Tell me a little bit more about, um, I guess, just how do you describe what you do? (laughs)
0: You know, I, as cheesy as it sounds, would call myself a digital storyteller. So everything that I do in some way, shape or form is connected to how people find stories and connect online. Um, I feel like I'm in a really unique place because what I do didn't really exist like 10 or 15 years ago. And so it's this new space to play in and this new way to get people to pay attention to really interesting stories about people all over the place.
1: Yeah. And so how did you get started doing this then?
0: I've always been super interested in storytelling. Um, I think from the time I was like, you know, five or six years old, I was doing plays for my family that I had made (laughs) up. And (laughs) I started um, in high school on the yearbook staff and I was a yearbook editor. And in college, I decided that it was still something that I wanted to do. Um, And so I got a degree in broadcast journalism from the University of Houston. And after I took this class my very last year, um, I started a blog because I got to do this really cool project where I created a blog um, and the professor was like, you do your research, you set this up, you do it all on your own, and your grade at the end of this class is how much you put into this project. Uh, and from there, I just loved it. I thought that it was the coolest thing to have your own little slice of the Internet and to be able to post and publish whatever you wanted. And you're the editor and you get to do it all. So I started doing that and then, um, you know, it just kept going and going and I kept this blog forever. And it wasn't until, uh, 2016 that I started Hangry Woman and it was after I was diagnosed with diabetes. And I had this moment that was almost like a freak out. And I thought I left the doctor's office and I knew kind of the medical end of it, but I didn't really know how to just live with it on the day to day because it's not something that they tell you. They kind of tell you like, eat better, do better, you know, you'll be fine. (laughs) And so I left with all of these questions, like, you know, like when I first learned that I had to take insulin on my own, where I had to actually like stick myself with a needle, I was like, I don't know how to do that. And I don't know who's going to teach me that. And so I started it as kind of a resource for myself and just this way of writing about what I was going through and trying to figure out how to do it all. Um, because it's a really life-changing moment when you get that diagnosis and then you're like, wait, everything in my life has to revolve around this and has to shift around it. Um, and so then I, I just decided, you know what, I'm just going to keep almost like a little diary through my blog of how I'm doing things and what I'm doing. And from there it turned into hangry woman, the kind of thing that it is now, um, where I write recipes That are diabetic friendly. Um, I write about kind of like the lifestyle end of it and the things that you go through on the day-to-day basis that you need help with. Um, And so it's not a medical resource, but it's definitely just a real person who is dealing with it and kind of showing people like this is how I get through it.
1: I love that you turned that event in your life into something like this. I completely um, I shouldn't say completely, but I do empathize. My brother was actually diagnosed uh, with type 1 diabetes pretty late in his life uh, comparatively. I, I know that's usually, they describe that as more of a, uh, like a youth um, diagnosis for for type 1, but it was he went through a similar thing where uh, it, it really just kind of rocked his world, like all these changes you have to make. So I really commend you for using that as inspiration to start something that could help people and You know, I know you mentioned earlier that being the top 100 diabetic bloggers in the world, uh, you kind of like blows your mind. But I think that's also just a testament to how much of a need there is for that kind of thing. I mean, to your point, you couldn't find anything. So kudos to you for that, first and foremost. Um, The second thing that I really want to talk with you about is you did mention having this slice of the internet to yourself and how, you know, 10 to 15 years ago, this wasn't really a space, um, a really cut out space. One thing that I read in your Voyage Houston interview um, was how so many people are trying to do the same thing now because it's kind of blown up. Um, Talk to us about how you went through that process of whether you should do this or whether it would be successful and and how you just kind of pushed through that.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I think the thing about me is that i'm super shameless and so <laughs> if i decide to do something and it doesn't work i it just kind of rolls off my shoulder and i'm like ah eh, whatever it didn't work and this was one of those things that i really did for myself at the beginning um and i and i still think i take that approach i i do this more for myself like if i didn't have anybody read it and nobody followed it i would still be happy with it um and so i think that's that's the number 1 rule of having your own place and having your own blog is not having the expectation that it's going to blow up overnight, or it's going to make you famous, or it's going to be this, you know, thing that a lot of people follow. Um, I think sometimes it's best when you, you take a look at it and you say, this is something I'm doing for me and something I'm doing because I want to do it and not something that you're doing for other people. And you're not trying to please other people with it. It's just something that makes you happy to do it um and I think that's the thing that helped me succeed and helped me stick with it for so long was that I never looked at it as like this is something that could be my job or this is something that could make me money or make me popular it was just something that I felt like I want to do this for myself and if everybody joins along at the end of the day that's that's awesome that's amazing but when I take a look back at it, it's like I write this stuff for myself. um, And I sometimes, it's really kind of weird and kind of funny, but I sometimes will go back to my own blogs, you know, like a year before, two years before, and I look at it and I'm like, oh, that's really interesting that I had that perspective then. Or it kind of reminds me like, okay, I still feel this way. And so it just helps me to hone my voice in that way. But I really think at the beginning, just remembering that when you create a platform You're doing it for you and you're doing it because it's something you love to do. And if you take that approach, you'll never be disappointed.
1: Yeah. First, I think that that piece of you being unique. I know that was one thing that you had mentioned also is there's room for everyone. I think that's such an important message because I've even felt that way personally. It's like social media especially is so prevalent these days, and you've got all these influencers. And if you want to do something like that, it can so easily feel like this has already been done before. Um, But when I heard you position that as, you know, I'm unique, and as long as I'm true to myself, then basically, you know, I can be successful at this. Um, And again, being room for everyone. I love that you said that. And I am, (laughs) I like that you admit that you go back and look at your own stuff because I do the same thing a lot, especially if it's (laughs) something written. um, Because you're right, it is good to just see your perspective. It's just a good tool for reflection um, to help yourself grow personally. So I think that just goes in line with what you're saying there. So, you know, you mentioned that you, when you started, you didn't know how to design a website or maintain a blog. And obviously you took through your program, you took some classes around that. How did you end up? What was your process for going about learning? Because I know a lot of people might feel the same way where they want to do something, and they just don't know where to start.
0: Yeah, um, I think for me, it was just research. And I'm a firm believer that if you research anything for long enough, and you practice it for long enough, you'll become good at it. Um And so when you spend the time and you just decide, I want to do this, I want to make it happen, you, you'll put your whole heart into it and you'll do it. And so for me, it was kind of like when my professor said, okay, build a blog and maintain it. I was like, I don't know how to do that. Does anybody know how to do that? Like, <laughs> this is, <laughs> this is a new thing. Like, and, and then it was like, people really didn't do that. Like, it was just something that was super new. And so through the class itself. And, um, if I can mention him by name, my professor was Michael Berryhill. Um, okay. I, I think he teaches at Texas Southern university now. Um, and he's a journalist and he was just kind of amazing in the process of saying, like, if you work hard enough, you'll figure it out. And so from there it, for me, it was watching a lot of video tutorials of people building their own websites. Um, one thing that I discovered that I just absolutely love is WordPress templates. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, if you know some basic HTML, which you can learn through things like Code Academy, yep. um, yeah, you can you can do anything with a WordPress template. And so it's already pre-built for you in terms of the structure and the bones, um, but you can go in and change the colors. You can change the way that the text looks. You can add your own visuals and images. Um, so having that as a support when I was first learning and I didn't necessarily know PHP or know like HTML very strongly at all, it was a really good opportunity to kind of look at something that was already structured and learn from that. Um, and so I think it's truly just practice and research. And there's so many, um, just so many applications online and so many courses that you can walk through if you really want to learn to build a website. And I think the most gratifying thing at the end is actually seeing the website that you built and seeing it in its full form, because you know that you put all of the work into that, um and you basically learned a new language to be able to build it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And your pictures are beautiful. So like I look at them and I'm like, oh, I wish I could take pictures that pretty.
0: <laughs> um I do have a camera.
1: <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what were you going to
0: say? No, no, you totally can. I mean, I take probably 80% of my photos with my iPhone. Um Yeah. I almost never have like a real like quote-unquote real camera. <laughs> right. With me and it's it's mainly just about perspective. It's looking at something and finding the different angles of it. Um, And I'll tell you, like I'll take a hundred pictures and maybe two of them are useful at all. So it's just that practice again and kind of like just trying to see things in a different way. And you don't need crazy tools or expensive tools to be able to do it. You can just do it with the thing that you've got in your hand and it can still come out super beautiful.
1: Definitely. So what inspired you to Take what you were doing, and I guess create Millaby Media to then consult others or help others to be more effective.
0: Yeah, um, you know, I think for so long I was living this like struggling blogger life and not knowing what to write about or how to design and host my website or brand myself. Um, and I have a background in that, and I still felt like I'm drained, like I'm putting my heart and soul and money into this thing. And I don't know if I'm getting anything in return. And so I just kind of kept practicing and, you know, I kept working with branding elements. I kept working with my social media. And as I started to gain traction and I started to see my following grow, um, I would get questions all the time from other bloggers that were like, how are you doing this? And how do you know how to do this? And, you know, can you teach me? And so it, I got that question probably a hundred times before the light bulb went off. And I was like, maybe I could actually help. with it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, I decided to start Milo B media as just a way to help other bloggers who may not have the diverse skills that I do be able to run their own blogs and do exactly what I'm doing um, and pass that knowledge on to people who are willing to learn it.
1: Yeah. So is that like your side hustle or is that now your, is that like your day job?
0: That is my side hustle for now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so And I, I like it that way because I am really choosy about who I work with. And so if I get, you know, 20 people that ask me to work with them, like we really have to be right for each other because I don't want to just give someone advice that I don't believe in or that I don't think would work for them. So I I turn people down sometimes because I'm like, I don't think we're right for each other, but I can recommend someone else. Um, and I think having it be kind of that part-time thing for me just gives me the ability to work with people who I really, really believe in and who I know will get the most out of what I can teach them.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Was there a point that you realize like, hey, I'm popular?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, I still don't believe it. Like, I still don't quite believe it. But I think it was actually probably around last Christmas when I was spending time with my family. And my brother is 10 years younger than me. So Mm -hmm. he like the things that he finds cool and impressive are like, just so different from what I find cool and impressive. And so he, I mean, he's a very hard kid to please. Like, he's just kind of like, you know, that's, that's all right. And he has very (laughs) high standards. And so I think like the moment that I realized that I had like some following or some popularity is when my brother actually told my mom, like, Hey, you know, your daughter's Instagram famous. And I was like, wait, what? he said that. (laughs) 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 Like he's, you know, he's just like, nothing to him is like that cool. And so I just thought that that was an interesting moment for me when my brother actually gave me the props for that because I was like, okay, if he thinks so, then maybe there's something here.
1: Yeah. So I just, I'm always curious, what is it like to post a picture or something and have it get that much? Like I sound really shallow right now, I'm sure, because it's like all about the likes, right? But I'm just, I always wonder like when you get thousands of likes on something or whatever, I can just imagine what would I feel like if I had posted something and all these things are popping up on my phone over and over and over into that, to that degree, like what is that like? (laughs)
0: Yeah, um, it's a little jarring. <laughs> it's and it's it's bizarre to me because I feel like what I post and what I share is very ordinary. It's not anything that is like completely mind blowing or completely different from anything that anybody else is doing. And so when I see that volume of people that support it and that are like, hey, I'm giving you a thumbs up on this, like this is really cool it just makes me feel like I feel validated and I hate that I feel validated (laughs) because it's just, you know, it's just likes through a screen. It's nothing different. If Instagram went away today, like, you know, there would be other things, but you know, that, that validation and that, and that attention would go away because that platform isn't there anymore. And so I just, I kind of take it like post by post. And when I see that people spend the time to like it, um, it excites me and it makes me feel really good that I'm putting out something that people like. Um, and I think something that's really big to me is that I try my best to comment back to anybody who comments on my photos. Yeah. I was going to um, ask about Because that. yeah, like I feel like they took the time out of their day and even if it's a small amount of time to just say, Hey, I liked this photo or this looks really good. Um, or, you know, like, tell me more about this. And so I, I feel like if people take the time out of their day to be able to leave a comment on something that I've shared, I feel like I should take the time back to say thank you, um, or to answer a question that they might have. And so I try my best to respond back to everything. Sometimes I miss them (laughs) because a lot come in, but I, um, you know, I feel like that's, that's the smallest thank you that I can give to somebody is responding back to them and liking their comments.
1: Definitely. Yeah. And I think, you know, to to our credit, I'm going to say, (laughs) um, given this past couple minutes of conversation, um, I think the fact that you've got this platform, you already like you said, you're doing it for yourself. So sure, you're going to be interested in in the response and the likes that it gets. But to your point, um, I think because you have that solid foundation, that's why, you know, you can you can put some bets on that. Um, but you know, we know that there's more to that. And I think that's why your followers probably realize that too, even though you might feel like you're just posting common or, um, ordinary content, uh, they probably can sense that as well. So I think that's probably, um, a big part of it. And one thing uh, on this same conversation of value, one thing that I've always struggled with even in my day job is this concept of, you know, what what is the meaning of the social value uh, for something? You know, okay, likes are great, but what does that really mean? So when it comes to metrics and showing your value, for example, when you're helping out other companies or other people with their social brand, how do you really go about the analysis of when this is actually valuable or not, or how do you um, measure that really?
0: Yeah, um, I work with a lot of brands. And I think one of the the biggest things that makes a blogger um, just somebody that they want to work with is somebody who values metrics. And I am such a data nerd. Um I love looking in my Google Analytics and looking at just like the different trends from my website and between things that I post and different pieces of content and I'm constantly measuring. Um, when I started, I built a media kit for myself actually and I think that that's been something that's been really interesting and stands out for brands because I actually try and put the value behind my numbers. Um, and so the, the biggest thing that I do is I give them stats for just about everything in my platforms and on my site. So from demographic information to how many new users versus returning users I get to my website, page views, um, what ads I'm running on my site now and how those generally do in terms of their stats. So like what their click-through rates are, how many impressions those ads themselves are getting. Um, And I put that all together and use that in a way to show that there is some value in what I'm doing. Um, I also like always like to follow up with the brands that I work with and ask like if they gave me a coupon code to use with my followers or if they, um, you know, set up a landing page for a specific product that they want me to direct people to. I always go back and ask like how many people actually bought something or clicked on it or follow through with a conversion because it's really important to me to know that if I'm working with this brand, I want to give them something back because they're putting their time and energy and money into me. And I want to be able to show them like I'm actually doing something that's good for you. So I always really like that piece of collaboration just in terms of looking at stats and you know seeing what metrics work and seeing what works with me and my audience. And I think having those relationships with brands as well, Um, gives me the ability to say, okay, this brand works really well and my audience really likes this or my audience doesn't like it. So I probably shouldn't share it, even if I like it. Like if I like it personally, I can buy it on my own. But if it's something that my audience doesn't necessarily respond to, then I probably shouldn't use it as something to share with them.
1: Sure. Do you, I like to be nostalgic. So like, do you remember your first like brand partnership?
0: I think that it was with, Oh, my gosh. I want to say that it was with OXO. They are... um, Oh, is that how you say that? Did I say that wrong? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Uh, You know, for the the longest time, I would say OXO, OXO. And then I finally asked them because I was like, is that how you say it? Because that's kind of like a little bit of a mouthful when you're trying to say it just, you know, personally. And they were like, it's OXO. And I was like, okay, I probably would have never guessed that. (laughs)
1: all right note to self
0: (laughs) (laughs) but yeah I think they were the first brand I worked with and the campaign was for um it was for Thanksgiving like after Thanksgiving cleaning products Mm -hmm. so it was like after you make a mess of your kitchen on Thanksgiving and you're cooking all this stuff for your family like how do you use those tools to be able to make your cleaning a lot easier after your Thanksgiving dinner um So it was like a totally random one. I never thought I would get it. It was when I had like five people reading my website (laughs) and I loved it because they work with big and small bloggers.
1: Is that something that you reached out to them and asked them like, hey, will you partner with me or did they contact you?
0: That was one that I contacted them. Um, They have a really cool blogger outreach program. Oh, cool. And so you can sign up for their mailing list, and they do campaigns all throughout the year. And so once you sign up, they'll send you a campaign. Um, You apply for the campaign. You give them your numbers. You give them your reach. um, You tell them why you want to work on the campaign, and then they pick just a handful of bloggers to work on it. And they send you all the stuff to do it. And it's up to you to photograph it and write about it in your own way. Um, and then it's just a way for them to, to work with bloggers one, but then also it's really cool because you get just this like really cool product that nobody else is really getting at the time. And you get to use it and work with it and showcase it in your own way. Like they don't have, very many parameters at all on how you get to share your stuff, which is so cool. So it's like a really free experience because you get to do exactly what you want to do creatively.
1: Yeah, it's like um, like product testers. I can't remember what this was. My mom used to do this stuff, like, you know, get a sample of something and then write a review about it or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't quite as sophisticated as that, but uh, that's interesting. So in terms of growing a community, I guess, around this kind of thing, um, I guess kind of touching on that, When you were first starting out, I mean, how did you grow your audience? I guess I mean, did you have to do a lot of like, joining blog groups or or cross pollinating with other bloggers or just promoting the heck out of yourself? I mean, did you just did it just do it organically? Or were there very, I'm assuming there were probably intentional things that you did to try to like get out there?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It was a little bit of both. Um, so since I had my blog first, I started building a mailing list a long, long time ago. Um, and so that was a really good way for people to start following what I was doing. And then because I had this like built-in community of people who would get my newsletters about my site... Um, it was from there I was able to add in messaging about like, Hey, I just joined Instagram, join me there too. Mm. Um, and so that was a way to kind of get people to follow through and see that I was doing stuff there. Um, I think blogger groups were a big help in the beginning and just finding people to connect with, not so much for engagement, but a lot of times for advice Yeah. Um, because it's really, really cool to have your peers critique your stuff. And so my favorite thing was to like post a link, either to my blog or to a specific post and ask people like, tell me what you think about this. Like, is there anything that you would do differently or anything that you would change? And you would get this really great feedback in like real time. Um, so it would help to tweak all of the things that I was doing, which I really loved because when you do it on your own and you're the main editor or the main creator, you see your idea and you're like, this is perfect. And then, you know, somebody else sees it and they're like, uh, hold on a second. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you should think about this differently. And so I think those groups were super helpful in terms of just looking at my stuff a little differently and being more critical of my own work, which was really awesome in the beginning. um, and then I think just in terms of Instagram, that's where my biggest audience is. And I cannot tell you how many hours I spend on Instagram. It is something that I'm doing all the time. I kind of joke that it's like my second job. So like when I get home and my husband's like, oh, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm on my second shift. I'm just, you know, doing all my Instagram mm-hmm. stuff. And so, yeah, it's, you know, just finding people that I want to engage with and liking their pages and liking their content and doing what people do for me, commenting on it and telling them what I like about it. Um, and I think that that has built like a really good community in terms of my Instagram, because it's it's real time conversation and people are just genuine. And so I think like when other people see that you're genuine and they can sense your authenticity, it's something that they want to latch on to. Um and somebody told me that the other day, actually, I was, I'm working with a brand that I love so much. And, you know, I was like, I will work for you for free. Like, I didn't. <laughs> want to, you know. Um and they told me, you know, the one thing that they really loved about looking at my stuff. And like, they always get excited when I post something and I include their product in my, um in my shot, just like by accident or kind of like, yeah, it just happens to be there they always get really excited their whole team because they're like oh my god Mila posted something again and they they said that it's it's just the authenticity like when they see my stuff they know that I'm telling the truth and that I'm you know I'm talking about the things that I love in a way that isn't salesy and isn't pitchy and is just like hey I love this thing and if you love it you can get it if you don't love it scroll on (laughs) like yeah yeah Well, no, I mean, Um, that's so
1: true because, I mean, that's how we connected, right? Like I was following you, but I commented and I said, look, I love this story. Like, you know, and you commented back like instantly. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So that, I mean, it does make a difference. I know, you know, at some level you can't always do that, like you said. But again, I think it becomes very obvious that authenticity through whatever you're doing, even if it's not a direct comment um, to your audience. Now, when I'm interested in you know for these brands like when you said this brand that you're working with and you tag uh you tag or they're in they're in your shots or you tag them and they get excited um is that something like when you first started out that is that kind of what you had to do is you're posting and you just maybe you love a brand so you're going to tag their accounts and hope that they see it kind of thing
0: yeah, absolutely. That and that has worked for me quite a bit, which has been really surprising for me sometimes, Um, because I'm not doing it necessarily because I like really want them to send me something for free, or I really want to work with them like, you know, in the case of the brand that I'm working with, it's a medical ID company. Um And so when I have shots of food or I'm holding something, I usually always have my bracelet oh, on. Yeah. Um And so they and then I was realizing like, oh, wait, I include this in like a lot of my stuff. <laughs> so I went back and I tagged them and like all the ones that I could find that I could see. And then they noticed and they were like, hey, wait a second. Like she has really good content and she is posting our stuff. Yeah. Like, and we're not asking her to. Um, and so like it just so happened that they saw another one and they messaged me directly on Instagram and they were like hey can we get your email because you post such good stuff and we want to talk to you um, we just want to work with you in a different way because everything that you're doing is awesome <laughs> and we you know we can see that you love what we do um, and so I think for that it just it helps to build a connection with a brand. And I wouldn't say like, you know, tag every single brand, in sure, every single yeah. photo, you know, of everything that you post. But if you truly do love something and you want to build that connection and you want to show a brand how much you really do love them, um, you know, tagging them in your photos is a great way to show them that. And oftentimes if they're really paying attention, they'll come back to you and they'll either say thank you. Um, which is just as nice as them saying, you know, I want to work with you because it just shows that they're paying attention. Right.
1: Yeah. That's so cool. That must feel so awesome.
0: Yeah. I think when I got the direct message from the medical ID company, I kind of like squealed a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, Oh my gosh, I love them so much. And I like, I just love my medical ID. So I was like, this is such a cool connection. Um, And it was really funny because my, my husband, so he's kind of like on the I think the receiving end of all of this, because every time something happens, I'm like, Oh my gosh, this happened, this happened. (laughs) Um, And so he just was like, Oh, another one. That's great. I'm
1: like, what do you expect at this point, Mila?
0: (laughs) Exactly.
1: (laughs) That's, that's funny though. And I do see your husband in a lot of your posts. Like I saw on your stories the other day when you had that trash can, which was amazing by the way. Like, yeah, I need to know that trash can, but and he came and was like trying to throw something away in the throwaway and you were like no it's recyclable <laughs> <laughs> I just got such a kick out of that but yeah like um I just I love these stories where again I, we're probably being super repetitive with this but it is authentic and it's just something you worked to do like you were passionate about it I was telling my husband the other day actually I don't watch a lot of tv but there are some things that I do and they, you know, when they scroll at the end, or like even movies, I guess that's a better example. Like even at at the movies, you know, they scroll through the credits at the end. I'm the kind of person where like I watch a movie and I'm like, how do I become a producer? Like I want to make a movie like this. It's completely like pie in the sky stuff. But sometimes I think to myself, you know what? Like these names on the screen, I bet you if I really looked at somebody in this list, I could like find out a connection to a connection to a connection. And over time, like it's probably not too far out there to try to like work towards learning about this and maybe even doing something in the space. And, you know, not saying I'd be able to make like a movie one day, but, you know, if you really wanted to, I really agree with what you said at first. Like if you work at it and you just experiment, which it sounds like is a big part of what you're doing and not being afraid of failure and, connecting with people along the way, just in a natural way without trying to sell it and all the stuff that we've talked about, it just just wraps up into this really nice um, story of, I think, how people can really get their influence out there and inspire other people, really.
0: Yeah, totally. And like, you know, like I said before, like, you don't have to be somebody who's doing something so completely extraordinary for people to pay attention. Um, You know, I, I share a lot of my life and that life is super ordinary. Like it's my husband and I going out to go eat pizza and have some (laughs) champagne or like, you know, it's something that I ate that day or something that I experienced that I think is really fun or a lipstick that I like that I'm just like, Hey, I like this color. I'm going to post about it. You know, it's like, Stuff that's so, and I think maybe it works because it's, it's what people really experience. It's not like a celebrity life that feels so far removed from yours that it's kind of like you're on the outside looking in. Like yeah. it's people that can actually identify with and like know exactly what I'm talking about and, and just say, hey, I feel that too. Like I totally get that. Um, So I think that's just a huge part of it is like, is that experimentation and, and really just doing it. Like when people ask me, how do I start a blog? Like how do I do what you're doing? I'm just like, just do it. Don't think about it. Just do it. Like if you have an idea, if you have something you want to write about, if you have, a video that you want to make, just do it, just make it, just go with it. And it's not always going to be the most perfect thing at first. And it's not always going to be refined, but it's going to be yours. And I think that's the most important thing. It's, you know, it's something that you created that came from your brain. That's unique completely to something that everybody else is doing. And the first step is just to do it. And to, I think the first step is to do it <laughs> the second yeah. step. Which I think a lot of people have a hard time with, and I also had a hard time with at first, is actually pressing the publish button and saying like, okay, I'm going to put this out in the world. Because that's a scary moment, too, um, when you finally have gotten something and you've done something that you think like, okay, this is great. And then you're faced with like, oh, wait, I have to share it with people. (laughs) What happens now? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, as your
1: when you created like your brand, I guess, like the Hangry Woman as the name for the blog, just as an example. Wh- I mean, was it always that at the beginning? Did you have to rename it at some point, or did that kind of stick? Like you came up with that and it stuck.
0: I actually, so I had been writing about like food and stuff for years before I started the Hangry Woman, and I had a blog called Tales from the Kitchen um and so that was kind of my first thing and it was okay but it didn't work it didn't really stick and it wasn't until the the way I got Hangry Woman and I think the way that like sometimes things are are branded or identified is always like from something that you experience personally
1: yeah <laughs> and
0: I was <laughs> joking with my husband like when before I knew that I was diabetic, I would always get these like mood swings of being just like I was like hungry and I was like the Hulk and I was like smash everything. <laughs> I just want food like I don't know what's wrong with me, but I will not be happy until I eat something. Um, and my husband was like, God, you get like you get hangry like you just like you get so upset when you are hungry and so I we just started laughing and I was like yeah I'm a hangry woman and then I was like wait a second like
1: that's it yeah
0: (laughs) yeah that actually might be the thing like that I think that's it like it just like rolled off the tongue so easily and just like saying it you know is was it came naturally and it didn't feel like something that was forced or or like not real and so like that I think a couple days later I was like okay I really want to change it I really want to change it but I change my website like every week like I just need to stick to something and so I looked and the domain names were available and I was like okay if I don't buy this now somebody's gonna take it and it's gonna be somebody else's and this is my idea
1: yeah that's exactly (laughs) what I was gonna ask is like surprised that nobody else had already been using that um yeah did you go (laughs) Did you have to go through like, um, any legal processes too, to make sure that that, I don't know if you have it trademarked or anything like that, but.
0: Yeah, I'm in the process of getting it trademarked, um, because hangry is becoming such a big thing. Exactly. Yeah. So that's kind of in the works. And of course the trademark process takes like ages and ages to make it happen. But um yeah I I felt like at a certain point I think it was when I I started to see like the ball rolling and kind of see the momentum going that I was like okay I think I really need to protect this thing um yeah because I want it to be mine and I love it and I've been working so hard on it like it should it should be protected so yeah
1: well yeah and if that is kind of your original idea like going back like you have a history of it uh yeah for sure
0: yeah totally
1: Wow. Awesome. Is there anything else that you want to share with us, Mila?
0: Um, You know, I think it would just be that I think sometimes people think that creativity is hard and that you have to be this like amazing mind and this amazing person to be able to come up with something that's super creative and, and wonderful and something that people will latch onto. But really it's something that anyone and everyone should try to do. And I think the moment that you get past that wall in front of you um, that says, well, I can't do this because I only have this skill or I can't do this because I only have this skill. I think once you finally get past that, um, you'll realize like how much creative potential you have and you'll find that people will love you and latch on to you um, and, and want to know more about what you're doing. So if you ever feel like you have a barrier in front of you that is making you feel like I can't create something, just know that you can.
1: I love that. I love that you shared that. And I'm glad also because you reminded me of this quote that you have on uh, your Milabi site, which is, creativity is allowing yourself to make mistakes and art is knowing which ones to keep. So I think that says it all.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I love that quote so much.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well. Thank you so much, Mila, for taking the time with us today. Uh, If anybody listening wants to uh, get in touch with Mila or see her work, you can obviously visit her blog at um, hangrywoman.com. On all of the socials, her accounts are also The Hangry Woman, so Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, whatever you want to find her, uh, The Hangry Woman is all you have to remember. I get hangry too, so I completely relate.
0: Um, (laughs) I'm really glad that I'm not the only one
1: (laughs) no not at all and I'm the kind like I have to eat like every two hours too so it's like it doesn't matter how big the meal is in a few hours I'm going to be hungry again it drives my husband crazy (laughs) anyways thank you so much again Mila hope to be in touch with you and thanks uh, for sharing all of this advice with our listeners
0: of course thank you for having me
1: If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, follow us on SoundCloud, and of course, like, comment, rate, and share. Thanks for listening.